0: Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women women supporting entrepreneurship relationships self-love and so much more we inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better be sure to like share and subscribe to uncommon women now finally grab a seat get comfortable and hear from your wonderful host
1: shanira and jenny lee
0: Hi, Kings and Queens. Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira.
1: And I'm Jenny Lee.
0: And today we have an amazing inspiration for young women uh, Lauren Goods, which is a model, opposing coach, and she holds degrees in social work and neuroscience. She's going to join us today to share her testimony of some childhood trauma that has tra- transformed her into her greatness. Um, And we are so honored to actually have her today on our platform to just share her testimony in regards to what she's been through in life and what she's doing now for the community. Uh, So thank you, Lauren, so much for coming on today's episode. And before we get into the good stuff of your testimony, is there anything that you would like to tell us about yourself?
2: Um, Like you said, I um, have a bachelor's in neuroscience from Xavier, my master's. Of social work from Tulane. I'm currently a mental health counselor at a non-traditional high school and I actually do PRN as well at a behavioral health hospital working with adolescents. Um, and if I'm not doing social work, I am modeling um, as well as post-coaching and I also own an Airbnb in Atlanta. So wherever I feel like I need to be, I try to be at that time
0: amazing So you're a young entrepreneur doing your thing i see uh what do you like most about modeling
2: um the creativity of it like doing it and then seeing the pictures just always amazes me um but the creativity of it um and it's just something that um i'm very confident in and i just it flows everyone has like their hobby of singing or dancing and modeling mm-hmm. is just something that um transpired in me. Um and a little bit of my childhood actually s- spiked that interest. Um so I'll share a little bit of that as well as we go throughout the interview. Oh,
0: mm-hmm. Perfect. So let's get into that. How was your life growing up? Um
2: that's a I'm 25 great- now, right? 25, yes. Yeah. So okay. I just said 25 <laughs> in March. Uh it doesn't feel like it really it feels weird to say like I'm 25. <laughs> um, I would never feel like I would get this point. Um growing up, um uh, it was it was all over the place. Uh I would say I grew up with my mom and uh my three sisters. Well, two sisters. I have one sister on my dad's side, and then I have two sisters, two twin sisters, and an older brother. My older brother, we are 10 years apart, and then my two younger sisters are like a year younger than me. Um and I didn't really grow up with my dad. I did grow up with the, my stepdad, uh, but I never claimed him as my dad. I did not like the man, uh, <laughs> he never did anything to me. I just, I just couldn't get jiggy with it. Um, and so uh, we moved around a lot, um, you know, originally a lot of my family is from Chicago um, and I spent a lot of summers in Chicago. But I lived in Kansas City. I lived in Indiana. I've lived in a lot of places in Missouri, St. Joseph, Missouri. I lived in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Like every time something seemed to go wrong, my mom's avenue was like, all right, we got to get up and leave. And so that was Mm -hmm. always the solution to everything was like start brand new. Um, So we moved moved around a lot. Um, but growing up, like I said, it was my mom and my three sisters. My brother was raised by my grandparents. Uh, so I didn't really have a strong relationship with him until he was about 19. So I was probably about nine. Um, then he started to come live with us. Um, and, uh, that's when like our relationship started to get stronger. Um, and then life just kind of went from, Moving over. it was like regardless of what challenges we en- endured um regards to dysfunctionality, my mother is a functioning crack addict, um, and my dad was a heroin addict, and I didn't find like find out these things until I got older so about like nine mm-hmm. or ten. um you know, like growing up now, like I was preparing for this, and I was like reflecting on my childhood to see because there's a lot I could talk about. and like growing up, it was crazy because it's like, I used to walk into a room like my mom would be in her room or whatever, and she would come out, and it would be like really smoky. But I'm like, why is it so smoky? And then like she smoked cigarettes, but like as like now looking back, putting the pieces together, you know, she was in there smoking crack, and like she would open up the door, and like hella smoke would just come out. And i was like, and so when I first found out that my mom was on crack, on was uh, my brother. My brother. Kind of put the pieces together when he moved down there because, like I said, I I never knew. Like people would come in and out of the house and stuff like that, and they would like give me money to go to the store, whatever. I'm just like, okay, you got money type thing, but like they're doughboys whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, it just was I get to go to the store kind of thing. But when my mom, when my brother put it to pieces together at the time, it still didn't make sense because I'm like nine years old. Um, But at the time, it was really like, "Wow, my mom is on drugs," and I never knew. And because, um, like I said, she was well, she was functioning; like she didn't look like a crack addict. I remember the first time that we went to in foster care, um, and they had we was at church, and they put like they were showing us people on drugs. I'm like, my mom don't look like that. So she don't qualify as that, whatever the case may be. But um, her actions did, like in the behaviors of everyone has their addictive behaviors. Um, And so her actions did show that. um, And I remember we was like laying down and I asked my mom for the first time, I was like, mom, why do you do drugs? And uh, she said, um, she was saying, sometimes I just feel alone. And then, you know, as a child, I think I was probably like seventh, eighth grade and I heard something like you got got three kids. Are you alone? And so (laughs) um, it didn't really it didn't process that. Like she why she did drugs and like seeing the aftermath of all the actions of her drug addict behavior led to all the dysfunctionality within our family system. It just didn't make sense. Um, And so that amongst a lot of things put a strain on our, our relationship. But it also um, made me like, separate from my family at, when I could. um, And so like, like I said, growing up, like, so this, and the, I remember all the bad stuff. Like, I remember, um, I was in a drug bus one time. And I was I don't know how mm-hmm. old I was, I was had to be like, five or six. But my mom, when she did go to jail, um, that was the first time we went to foster care. Um, I don't remember like the whole sequence of how I got into foster care. I just know my mom had went to jail for writing bad checks, and she left us with her boyfriend at the time. And her um, boyfriend, at the time, he did molest me while she was in jail. Um, wow. I don't exactly remember where my two sisters were at the time. Like I said, I was probably five or six. I don't know if they were with their dad or who they were with, um, but I was with him and his his dad sold drugs, um, like a heavy drug dealer. Um, uh-huh. And so uh, my mom would like, we'd be, we would be, um, we were all in like this big house. I remember this young lady; her name was like Laura, I believe, and she was she had cancer, and it was like a crack house, and we were all in the house. And next thing I know, like feds just busting, like they have those things, you busting the door. Everybody, get down, get down, wow. and like I remember screaming because you know it was like wow, there's so many people. But at the time, I didn't realize you know why they were doing what they were doing. It was just the feds is here, them telling everybody get down. And it's crazy because I was like five, but I remember everything vividly. I remember them coming in. I remember having us get down on the ground. I remember me crying. I remember my mom crying. Um, and it was just like such a traumatic event. Like I said, as like yeah, a, yeah. Lot, a lot of pieces started to like come together, like how things came about. And so, um, you know, we, we was around it, um, around a lot of drug activity. Um, and I don't remember exactly when my mom got out of jail, how long I was with who I was with during the molestation station time. But I do remember that once my mom got out, we were at our house and we were in the tub and I told her what happened and she believed me. Um, and I. I don't know exactly how DCFS got involved or who called DCFS, but DCFS was out the door the next day. And my mom got scared, so she packed us all up. Like I said, packed us all up. We got to go now. So we were on the way to leave from Kansas City, and she got pulled over. Um, and she got uh, – she had a warrant out for her arrest. And wow. uh, that was our first interaction, foster care. Um, and uh, my mom went to rehab. And I remember to this day, like, going to visit her while she's at rehab and being in foster care. And uh, they split me and my sisters up. So my two sisters went with one family and I went with another family. Um, and uh, at the time, during foster it was weird. Um, one, because it was with white people. So it was like, I don't know, you guys. I don't know. It was a lot of random kids. And it was like... They were doing weird stuff to my hair. It just was really weird. And so, but I liked being exposed to different things. So, like, I learned new foods that I never knew that I liked or what kind of new foods. I got to do stuff that I never got to do before. So, that was probably the only benefit from being in foster care was, like, the different exposure. Um, But I didn't like that me and my sisters were separated. And um, I would say we were probably – Then about a year or so, not too long. Um, And then we got out and that's when we moved to St. Joseph, Missouri. And um, St. Joseph was, it was, I would say a roller coaster, I should say. Um, Went from staying in shelters, like the Salvation Army um, and like, just being bored so we would stay at the library because who wants to be in the shelter with old people all day so like yeah we would the library we'll go to the y uh we would just try to like be outside as much as possible but the crazy thing is though like now that I'm saying it like growing up no one ever knew that I stayed in shelters or like stayed in motels if I stayed in a motel and there was, like, an apartment complex down the street. I would tell my friends to come pick me up from the apartment complex. Oh, okay. Like, no one ever knew that, like, I stayed in motels or anything like that. And um, and so once we had moved to uh, St. Joe, it was just, like, it was a roller coaster. My mom got cancer. Uh, the severity wow. of it, I don't know to be honest, um, because the first time she put us, she found out that she could put us in a group home because of health conditions or whatever the case may be. Um, I don't feel like it was a health condition type of thing. I think that was what she told herself, but I feel like it was like a get get uh, get out of jail free card. Like I could drop mm-hmm. off my kids and somebody was take okay. care of them. So uh, that was like the first time going to like a group home, but we've been right. in that group home, I think at least twice, maybe three times, but at least twice. Um, and she put us there. She put us in the group home um, okay. to take care of her needs. Um, and like I said, do I believe it? No. Uh, but if that's what she says, now she says. Um, and it was just like, a because of the dysfunctionality, of the addiction, it was a lot of just chaos in the sense of, like, drug activity, shootings, um, and, like, uh, violence. Like, her and my stepdad would fight over money and crack all the time. Like, so it would cause us to, if we were, like, staying in a motel or something and he did something to, like, get us put out, now we gotta move again. So it was just like, here, 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 everywhere. But, Despite all of that, like now that I tell it, it's crazy thinking it. But then it was normal. Like it was just like, this is my life. This is what yeah. it's going to be like. And, you know, kind of make the best of it. And it's crazy that like growing up, I didn't have major behavioral problems because of the chaos. It was just like, this is what it is. and Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's such a brave story for you to be able to just be transparent and um, go through everything that you've been through. And to see you now, uh, you're just blossoming. Um, Bouncing from group homes and foster care. How was your relationship like trying to build friendships and go to school? Like how did how did things work in regards to that?
2: So, like, friends, one thing I could say about my mom is she made sure we got a good education. If we stayed in the hood, we was taking the bus to the suburbs to Mm -hmm. go to school. Or even if, like, we may have stayed in, like, a nice townhouse, but nothing was in there. But just to be able to, like, go to certain schools, she really did try to make us um, be in good environments despite everything else. And so growing up. It was um, like building friends. Um, it was I, I like I said I guess I have a very uh, friendly personality. I'm very nice and kind, so making friends was easy. Um, and keeping those friendships was was going well too. And like I said, I never sh- and no one ever knew like what what our environment was like. Um, but they were always nice. So like I always try to play sports um, and make to be able to, like, just stay busy. And I would have, you know, i never had rides to the games or to practice anything like that. But the coach would always look out and teammates would always look out. And, um, you know, there was times where, like, I, we stayed in a motel that was, like, 30 minutes away from my school, and it was at the end of the school year. So I had a friend that allowed me to stay with them, like, the last week of school so I could get to school. So, mm-hmm. like, I would say I was always blessed with people that supported, not knowing what may have been going on, like, the full story.
3: Yeah.
2: But, like, now, like, that I see people that have, like, people that are friends, like, 10 years, I'm like, I don't have friends that are, like, 10 plus years, yeah, or, like, childhood yeah. friends type of thing, because it was so, we would always move around, so, like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people because of that, and I keep in touch with a lot of people, um, but it's not, like, a very solid friendship, um, and I would never, like, bite v- people over, because there was no mm-hmm. like right. to to right. um, Yeah. but I stayed with people that had, like, money so like I was and I was at their um was a like gated communities and their golf carts and invited to all the parties um and so but the relationship itself wasn't like it wasn't strong I even made out the group home like if you got to a certain level you can invite people to come stay in the group home Mm -hmm. and at the time I think I told somebody that and they were like, yeah, I wanna come, but I'm like, wait, like
3: well, <laughs> <didn't think> that. <laughs> like
2: they were they were they were really excited, but I think I had gotten to a fight. And so I, I wasn't able to allow people to come stay the night. But um, you know, there were a few people that uh because actually the middle school I went to was right across from the group home. So I really couldn't hide that I stayed in the group home because I mm-hmm. walked across the street. Um and so like people was very like intrigued by the fact Mm -hmm. that I was in a group home and I'm in the group home, like, I don't Mm want to be here. (laughs) Uh, But I guess, like, it just seemed fun to them. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um, like, the group home was kind of, like, it was a big, big house and um, they did, we did get to do a lot of activities and, like, video games and stuff like that, but, like, the sense of, like, just being there and not in a family unit was challenging. Um, But, Friends, it was, you know, shout out to the friends that really supported me and never judged. Mm -hmm. Um, Like looking back, um, I did have like some really solid friends and I really appreciate them. I'm trying not to cry.
3: Um, because
2: you know, they they never judged and Mm -hmm. they always they always supported what I wanted to do um, until this day. Um, And it's cool that they get to see where I started and where I am now um because you know that's a true blessing because some of them have been there like since day one um from like eighth grade Um, and you know know a lot of things that i've been through um so the ones that do know the ones that were there and still there you know shout out to them
0: you had a covering over your life which is amazing you know despite everything that you've been through um how's your relationship with your your siblings
3: um
2: So um I would say my sophomore year um um my niece got taken away my first niece um so her sister um and that situation kind of like changed my whole family dynamic in my life like forever um, and I remember getting the phone well my ne my niece was like she was like the first baby of the family I guess she mm-hmm. was like the foundation to it and so my brother was locked up at the time and um my um my uh my we had my niece at the time, and um why well they took her because they were doing well my long story short my sister made up a lie um about an incident and they got dcfs involved and so when dcfs got involved uh they started asking questions snooping around and they did drug tests on everybody um and some people came up positive for crack cocaine and so um when that happened they took my niece and they took her at school and she was four three or four at the time Mm -hmm um and uh they took her and they said well grandma's sick so you have to come with us and so they didn't give us a chance to say goodbye they didn't they just took her um and so i was at work i worked at jc penny and i got the phone call from my mom that they took her and um like that just shattered that
3: shattered a lot mm-hmm.
2: hard um and so when she got taken away at the time, I was like 15, probably turned 16. And so my two sisters went to the system and I was so grateful I had a mentor who I took, I went with. And so I stayed with my mentor at the time. And so when that happened, my brother was locked up and when he got out, I kind of like try to help him get back on his feet and he went back to Chicago. My mom was in Minnesota somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. She was in Minnesota, supposedly in rehab. Um, and my um and ever since then, like me and my sister's relationship just kind of went down keel. Um, you know, we did visits, but it just wasn't like the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. um my brother, you know, uh, me and him got closer because it's because we only had freedom. Like with my sisters, they restricted communication. Like they were saying that we, I couldn't talk to them or they had to get approval from their therapist. And they try to restrict my communication with my brother. And I was like, you can't tell me who I can and can't talk to. Um, and so they were trying to really restrict restriction of communication with all of us for whatever reason to this day. I do not know. Um, but, uh, so because of that incident, like everybody just went their own way. Uh-huh. My brother went his way. I went my way. My two sisters went their way and it just was never the same. Um, and to this day, um, um my one sister that started everything, um, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't forgiven her from it, um, because of just how it just. Everything shattered after the incident. So I don't really talk to her. Um, you know, I have her on social media.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, my other sister, she stays in Houston. Um, we don't have, like, a really strong relationship, but I don't have any animosity or anything towards her. Mm-hmm. It was just how, like, we check in here and there. Um, me and my brother were recently close um, up until about a year. We haven't talked to in a year due to a recent incident. And so it's just, like those relationships aren't as solid um, as they used to be. Even like growing up, we weren't as close, but it was still like a family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, And we always like had each other. Cause like, we was in one motel room, it was five of us. So like, we got very creative in the things that we did. Uh, But it just like, it's not something that we forced. It's Mm -hmm. not something that like comes up. It's just non-existent, unfortunately.
1: Wow. So, for as your mom, what was the most difficult challenge facing growing up knowing your mom was addicted to drugs?
2: Um the the lack of accountability. Mm. Um okay, like to this day, it's ooh, the lack of accountability because I remember one time I was supposed to go to I was in this um, organization and we were going to Orlando and like I said I had worked and I had my mentor had took me to go get my own bank account
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, my I had to had to have like an adult so she didn't feel comfortable because I had my mom so she was on it biggest mistake biggest mistake she made my count negative she wow like I didn't have any money to go to Orlando anymore, and wow. it was just like the lack of accountability for actions that I had to suffer the consequences for, and and not even like individually within a family dynamic. It's just mm-hmm. like you know you're a, to me at the time was like you're you're a whole nurse. You, you you can make good money, but you put yourself into positions to where we got get kicked out or we don't have a place to yeah. live. Or you lose your job or you lose mm-hmm. your car now you can't get back to work so it was just like the the lack of accountability of her actions and recognizing that the things that we did was stuff that like she introduced us to like stealing wow.
1: okay
2: my mom taught us how to steal and wow. so like we would go to the mall and steal and when like we got caught, it was kind of like surprising to her. But I'm like, listen, you, you,
3: you, tell us. Yeah, you like, taught so, me this.
2: <laughs> so it was just like, you know, and she would, and my mom would do it so often, like, the, she made it look easy. So mm-hmm. I thought it was easy.
3: Right.
2: And, so like, and stuff of that sense of like, I just felt like, despite, you know, I feel like she really tried hard to separate her addiction from her family and her responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, you know, she did all that she could, but I feel like she could have done more. And Mm -hmm. even after, like when my niece got taken away, there was no accountability. It was just like, this person shouldn't have done that and this person shouldn't have done that. But it all stems down to your addiction and it's not Mm -hmm. something that came out of the blue. Um, So I would say that would be because a lot of stuff that I went through I didn't I didn't have to go through if, yeah. if it wasn't for your actions
1: did you ever like have a sit down with your mom and like to tell her how you felt about her being you know being a drug addict or just even explain to her like mom right. you know I'm bouncing from one place to another I love you like where your kids you know it, you know I don't want to be in foster care. I don't want to be in the group home. I want to be with my mother.
2: No, because the way she presented things, it was her sickness of cancer. And it was really their sickness of addiction.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: when we were in foster care, and it wasn't because I'm on drugs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. You're not in a group home because I'm on drugs. It's of, I need to put you guys here because I need to get back on my feet. And, um, and so it was, no, once I got older and, you know, I had people that encouraged to have that conversation of how I truly felt about my mother. Mm -hmm. As I got older, it was just like, I just got to love you from a distance because I felt like, you know, it just, it wasn't something that I felt like needed to happen. Um, and like, it was. I was so independent. Like at the age right. of 16, it was just like I don't. You calling me more than I'm calling you for stuff when I should be calling you. Yeah. But, yeah. So it was like it was just separate, separate, separate. Um, it wasn't like I want to fix this relationship or why are you doing this to us? Because like I said, mm-hmm. until I got old enough to, like, be able to feed myself. Yeah. This is just life. This is this is what normal is, you know? Like, you know, your mom loves you type of thing, and she do what she can. But it wasn't, like, as broad as it is now, realizing yeah. the things that I went through. Hmm. Uh,
3: uh.
0: So with you, uh, how old were you when you became, when you started living on your own?
2: Um, I would say 16. So kind of, sort of. So... 16 is when I went with my mentor and I was staying with my mentor for about like a year until I graduated. Okay. When I graduated high school, that's when um, I had a school counselor at my high school who they had like an open house. They were getting ready to sell. So she said I could stay there for the summer. So I stayed there for the summer until I left to go to college. Um, And so the, you know, I, when I was 16, I signed myself back into foster care. No, when I turned 18, I signed myself back into foster care so I could still get the benefits. Okay. Um, and so I was, cons- I, was in the- I was in independent living at the age of 16. Um, and so, you know, during the summer, I worked two jobs. Uh, I was working at JCPenney and Equifax. I was always mm-hmm. working. Oh, that's one thing about me. Anybody say oh, I always was grinding. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Brandon. So, Brandon.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I definitely I would say, I would say 16 is when like the full transition of like, all right, I don't have my mom no more. I don't have mm-hmm. the guidance. It's like do what you gotta do, type of thing. But the thing is, like, it came natural. Like, it wasn't really something that I had to get in the mindset type of thing. It was just kind of like. You got to earn, you got to get money if you want a car, you know, uh, work and you got to save and you you need food. You know, I definitely use the system. I definitely Mm -hmm. use the system and all their benefits. But um, going to college, like, you know, my grandparents helped me move. But when I decided to go because I could have stayed in Iowa and got a full ride and didn't have Mm -hmm. to pay for school. Uh, but I didn't want to. I wanted to get as far as away as possible. So <laughs> when I came to New Orleans, I had no plan. I didn't know how I was going to pay for college. I didn't know how I was going to do anything. It was just like you figure it out when you get there. <laughs> so my grandparents helped me drive down here, but it wasn't like a. It was. It wasn't scary because um, I guess I'm so used to like moving around mm-hmm. and adapting. So. Yeah. Like, Hairy, but it was just like wow, like, he just moved. adapting.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody, and at this point, you're just by yourself. You yeah. know, you your right. and the siblings. Yeah. So I think I, I think it was like you said, you adapted, you know. You're I think that's what happens when you're constantly shifting from one place yeah. to another right. you quickly adapt. It's just the only difference <laughs> is you were alone. So that probably gave you a little hesitation, a little bit there. Exactly.
0: <laughs> she was used to to bouncing back and you know bouncing from place to place. So yeah, in the sense of her going on her own this time, it kind of more mm. was, what happens if it doesn't work out? Work it out, work. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that hesitation that hesitation
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mind, like what if it doesn't work out it was just mm-hmm. like it has to work cuz there's right. no other option yeah um i remember like my first year in college and thinking um i had like a big balance and um once because of like everything in life when something happens i just assume the worst mm-hmm. it just it just always assumed the worst so when it had a big balance it was just like oh i gotta move back and i can't and i can't go to school i gotta go to this school and it just was like a roller coaster um but you know i went through xavier with not having to pay out of pocket um every time i needed money i got it whether it was a scholarship or i went to the financial aid office and i said hey look I need some money, and they got it. Um, I never had any problems with the financial aid office. I never had money, any problem getting money um, anytime. Like I had issues with a car, I got a car within the same week. Um, so I would say that like my college journey was truly blessed in the sense mm-hmm. of. I made a way, like, once right. I how yeah. to get money doing, like, research and being part of these programs and then paying me and then paying yeah. my tuition, being an RA, like, I found mo- ways to make money. Make so money. Nice. That's mm-hmm. good. Where did you get your motivation
0: from to continuing to pursue for school and graduate and not let, you know, your childhood and your past um, define who you are? Because, you know, a lot of people, sometimes they use it as a victim and yeah. of prospering in life so where do you get your was it your mentor was she a a lot of your motivation or
2: um I would say a lot of people said I was just Mm self-determined um it was just you know college was never something that was spoke about in my household and it was you know I was definitely surrounded by the right people that supported encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do and but I would say the motivation was I saw everything what I didn't want and I mm-hmm. had to figure out a way to make sure that mm-hmm. didn't happen. Yes. So at the time, school was the only thing. Like everyone got to go to school. You got to go to school. Got to go to school. So, um, you know, that's that's what it was. So giving up was never an option. And uh, not, you know, when I wrote my essays for everything, it was like, I, I say that, that people, you know, would use the things that they've been through as a way to uh hinder what they're going through. But it was my motivation. Yeah. Like, right. I've been through all of this. College ain't nothing. Like, I can do nothing. <laughs> so, also, it was my thing. It was just, this is what it was. And I saw it, and I made it happen.
1: That's amazing. That's, That's amazing. amazing. You didn't let nothing stop That's you. You're like, ready? I'm unstoppable.
2: No. And it's crazy, because, like, at graduation, I cried the whole time. Because... Oh it was like, wow, like, it was my first time, like, failing in, like, grades, because Xavier, first of all, was hard, but college was hard, and, like, getting my first F, and, like, you know, dealing with depression, and then also on top of, like, some semesters, I worked three jobs, and trying to figure out everything on my own, and it was just, like, whenever I made it, and not only did I made it, I had, like, a good GPA, and, um I did dual programs and I did research. Like I was reflecting mm-hmm. on everything that I did during those four years. And I'm like, wow, like rewarding. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so I just cried. cried
1: <laughs> like, you don't stop crying. I said, no, <laughs> <working."> <laughs> hard, work, hard work is worth it. Hard work <laughs> definitely paid
3: off. Mm-hmm. I off. So
0: you said you were working three jobs, going to school to get your degree. What struggles did you face during? All this, trying to balance everything and, you know, being what,
2: 18? Um Struggles. It was, I would just say just the stress of like, like I said, if something bad happened, like my mom would just go to the worst. So, like, finding that balance of, like, if God got you this far, Lauren, he going to continue to be there. Mm -hmm. um, Building, I built, wherever I go, I always find a strong support system. So, I found Mm -hmm. a strong support system in Xavier. I found a strong support system outside of school. Um, And I just really use that um, because the way I... Uh, I would say cope is talk. So, like, I'm very mm-hmm. open about what I do. Mm-hmm. So if I talk about it with somebody, then, you know, I could get back on track. And if I cry, once I cry, I'm good. And so I would say that was um, the struggle was just, like, the stress. stress. Um, and mm-hmm. sometimes, like, reflecting back to, you know, I would wish I got those phone calls of, hey, how's class? And, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, to this day, I don't know if my mom knows what my major is. I don't know if she, you know really knows what my future goals are um mm-hmm. but i do wish that i had like that support system of, like hey how's class doing or like mm-hmm. you got a test coming up mm-hmm. and like how's your research like i had mm-hmm. some of my friends they mama called them every morning <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. it wished them a good week so like i did here and there reminisce the okay. about that missing family component because i didn't want to share like my college journey and there's a lot of stuff a lot of trauma that I experienced in my, during my college during sexual assaults that like a lot of people didn't know about in my family. Mm. So like it was a lot of stuff that never got shared and no one ever came to visit. And, you know, it was just get it, get it, get it done. Mm. Can any of
0: your family, um, support you at graduation? Chandra is asking from the audience. Yes.
2: So my mom and my dad and a lot of my family from Chicago did come. Okay. Um, for my graduation and it was bittersweet because I appreciate their support but it was like why celebrate at the end why weren't y'all there doing the journal yeah. um yeah. and so you know I definitely appreciate them for coming um and I appreciate everyone that came for my graduation but it just was like you know I needed you all for four years not this right. time
1: yeah they weren't there for you through your words but were there Mm -hmm. but were there when you were succeeding yeah Yeah, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. that's typically how it go though yeah it does Mm -hmm. you know in like my my um not so much immediate family you know i Mm -hmm. have my nana and poppy i appreciate them um and like you know um the relationship with the, like my family in Chicago wasn't very strong is because of my mom. Like she, she wanted to hide her addiction. So she hid us from our, from our family. And it so went. like I could have had mm-hmm. stronger relationships with people, but it was never there because we were always so distant. And so like, mm-hmm. I know that like, if anything dire needed to happen and I needed to call someone, I did have people I could call on. Um, but it wasn't like, it didn't feel normal. It didn't feel like they were always there. Right. Um, and so it didn't, it wasn't, the support could have been stronger, but the yeah. relationship with my family wasn't very strong because of the distant type of thing. It was just like, oh, I'm here mm-hmm. for the summer type of thing. And you my cousin, you my auntie or something like right. that. But it wasn't like, hey, auntie, what you doing type of thing. Yeah. Like, the weren't as strong as I felt like
1: they should have been. Mm. So makes sense. Yeah. Um, you spoke about your niece. Um, so how how did you have the courage to pursue custody of your niece? Great
2: question. Um, because the niece, like I said, I, I have a good, well, I used to have a good relationship with her sister. That's the mm-hmm. first one. And with her, before I got her, we didn't have a relationship. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. I knew of her. Um, but, uh, the person that she was with, um, had reached out and was like, um, do you know anybody that could take her? And I was just like, no, um, but I can, um, it wasn't like, uh, let me think about it type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I'll take her. Cause to me in my time, it was like going, the system isn't an option. And so, right. um, you know, at the time. It's been about a year and a half since I've had her. At the time, it wasn't like, I need to sit down and think about this. You know, Mm -hmm. you're young, you have responsibilities. Can you financially support her? Like, what is this going to look like? It was just like, figure it out. Like, like, Get her and figure it out. And so the courage was already there. It wasn't nothing Mm -hmm. that needed to be like, okay, you got to get ready for it. It was... The only thing that I was more concerned of, like, is she gonna like me? Is you know, <laughs> in New Orleans? It wasn't like you know because, like I said, we didn't have a relationship, relationship. Um, and so um, that was the only probably the scary thing was. um, And you know, that's and you know, I had my nephew for a month. Uh, I had to take him for a month, and like I said, I'm just. I just figured it out um, with going to school, taking them daycare, doing schoolwork. Like it was just a thing. Wow! Um, and even if it came to this day where I had to take all my nieces and nephews, that would be a lot. <laughs> 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 you no, know, I would probably figure it out. Um, and so it it's definitely been a journey. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's definitely been a journey uh, taking her in, uh, building a relationship. Um, And then also, you know, she's been through her own trauma um, Mm. and she's been exposed to a lot of things. And so, you know, trying to mold her and protect her in a way um, that allows her to explore life in a way Mm -hmm. that I wish I could have as a child. Um, But also, you know, it's hard to it's hard to teach a child. Um, and protect them from somebody that they seek most—the love that they mm-hmm. seek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, trying to protect her from certain family members and individuals um, is definitely a challenge. Um, on top of like not me being the bad guy,
3: right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so I, you know, it's it's definitely been a journey. Um, I pray a lot. I pray, pray, pray a lot. Um, and you know. I just continue to do what needs to be done.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: I'm sure she'll appreciate in the long run that, you know, you did have the courage to, to take her in and just, you know, be that guidance of positivity and yeah. what a healthy relationship looks like, you know, versus uh, the traumatic experience that you've gone through. Um that you can use that as an example. And then also I'm sure she she um has her own memories as well, you know, and then you know, missing her mother and yeah, maybe yeah. not able to grasp everything as a whole. How, how old is your niece? She's eleven. She's eleven, mm-hmm. okay. And she's about to hit that teenage stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, yeah, I'm glad that she does have you in her quarter because you're definitely a role model. You're going, you're working, you, you're modeling, you went to school, you able to get two degrees. So she does have that positive perspective in her life that some people aren't um able to see, you know, if they're getting yeah. they get put in the system.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um. So Lauren, with everything that you've gone through, you know, with the uh, group home, the foster system, and just everything with all your trials and tribulations, where do you get? Your, where does your inspiration come from? Um,
2: that's a good question, and I always mm-hmm. love that question. But <laughs> my answer is always, you know, I I feel like I I feel like something was just instilled in me and um to be able to show other people especially kids like I love working with kids everything I do is with kids of all ages um, Mm. that if I can do it you can too um because you know it was just whatever I have like a I just have a passion for showing them that like the system doesn't have to define your life forever. You know, Mm -hmm. what's happened to you doesn't have to, um, I I always just say, you know, what happened to me doesn't define who I am because Mm -hmm. I used to be like, you know, I would, I've never been embarrassed to say my mother is a crack addict. I've never been embarrassed to say that I've lived in shelters and that I lived in motels. I've never been embarrassed to say that I was molested because, you know, it doesn't define who I am. It's just something mm-hmm. that I experience. That's mm-hmm. yes. who I am as a person, and so I try to show the youth that I work with in any aspect that, regardless of what happens to you, um, that doesn't define who you are, and it doesn't have to be the outcome of your life. Uh, you know, I I had a, like a, a he was six at the time, and. Uh He was struggling with behavior problems, and he would ask, uh, "I would ask him like, why do you feel like you have to be bad?'" Mm-hmm. Um, and he would say, "Well, everything else around me is bad, so that's what that's mm-hmm. what happened." And, like to. that stuck with me that like, and I would just encourage him like, "Although your parents are fighting and this is going on, that doesn't mean that you have to be bad yourself or that you mm-hmm. have bad have energy." Yeah. Um, and so that's what inspires me, the showing that the youth can, that they, they just need that extra love and support, um, and the feedback that I get with working from youth, that's what keeps me going, mm. showing that, like, you know, I, I make a difference, and even though I can't change the outcomes of their life, I can show them that it's possible, um, mm. so. That the youth inspire me. Unfortunately, I mean not unfortunately. What they go through, is what keeps me <laughs> going, sure. that I'm going yeah. through. But like the the sh- you know hear the words of like Miss Lauren, like you really make a difference, or Miss Lauren, I really appreciate you just listening. Um, you know that's what inspires me.
0: That's great. That's, that's great. So- You're in the community and you know making helping their stories become greater than who they are. Because they yeah. and sometimes it's harder for the youth to talk to their parents or talk to people that they don't trust. So it's good that they're able to confide in you and be able to trust, um, trust you with what they're going through.
3: Mm, uh, I agree. If there's one I agree.
0: thing that you could tell others that's been in and out of the system, uh, what would it be?
2: Um, a few things. Thanks. One of the models is giving up is never an option that um, just keep going. I know that it may feel like things are always going to be rainy and it's never going to be sunshine, but there's always going to be sunshine to use the system. Use the system. When I say that there's resources out there, there is money for you. You just have to you just have to advocate. Um, and uh, asked for it like you know I got my car off of the strength of the system I got stipends off of the strength of the system um, you know I'm, I'm lucky that I had a good lawyer that gave me the ropes and told me to sign myself back in to be able to use the system um, and so the, for those that are in the system use it and three um, you know it. Uh, let's see I have a quote um, never let your obstacles become more important than your goal. Um,
3: mm, so, exactly. you know,
2: regardless of what is going on right now, there's always an end goal. And just keep that in mind. And that you're, you're, the way that you're going to get there is always going to change. And it will always, things are life is a roller coaster. So something mm-hmm. is always going to happen but you can't control what other people do. You can't control what your parents do and the consequences that you may have to suffer because of their actions. You can't control you know, the community violence. You can't control a lot of things in your life, but what you can control is how you respond and -hmm. how you deal with them. And so um, just pay attention to the things that you put into this world because what you put in is what you want to get out. Mm
3: -hmm. And so just Mm -hmm. to
2: continue to have hope Find a strong support system. Find a way that when you go low, how can you go back? How can you get back high? Because that's mm-hmm. essential. Because because of the life that the the cards that you were dealt, um, there are going to be a lot of lows. But it's all about how you play the cards. Just because right. you were dealt a bad hand doesn't mean you can't still win the game.
1: Mm-mm. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren, for your story. It it was. It's amazing how you did not allow your your life struggles to, detect, to dictate where you are now. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, being a caregiver for your niece, and then not only that, just being an inspiration to the community. And I applaud you for that. So uh, we have a question that we ask all our guest speakers, our guest speaker, what makes you uncommon? Um. Uh... Because <laughs> <laughs> <Shout> out, <man.
2: laughs> um, I would say what makes me uncommon um is my self self-pers- self perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like, looking back and just reflecting, and the more I tell my story, like I always found a way. I was very resourceful. Um, and so I truly admire that about myself is my ability to not give up. No matter how hard I feel, or no matter how much I may want to in that moment, or um, or how low I may be at that time, I always kept going. Um, and so I feel like that's very important to have: is to be resourceful um, and to never give up, and um, and always do it with a smile on your face. Like like I said, I've never been ashamed to tell my story or to share where I came from. Mm,
3: I like that. So do
0: I. All right, thank you so much. Too. You know
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're gonna see her on Vogue, right? Yep. 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 I'm
2: to this. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm very consistent.
0: Yes, persistent. Let me see if there's mm-hmm. any questions that we had from the um audience before we close up. Uh just some comments. Uh Broken. i um, speaking in the foster care system, which is unfortunate, definitely mm-hmm. unfortunate. And we answer pretty much
1: everything else. All right, Jenny, we're good to go. Um, thank you again, Lauren. And thank you for um, our followers for tuning in this evening. Make sure you go out and check out our apparel at www.uncommonwomen.net, www.uncom- as well as make sure you go and to our YouTube channel on Common Women Podcast. Make sure you like and you subscribe. And also, I am currently still looking for guest speakers uh, for our awareness for um, for the month of June, July. Sorry about that. Let me correct myself. For the month of July, I am looking for someone um, for cleft and cryo, cryofacial and sarcoma awareness. So if you or anyone um, is advocating or has a testimony or is experiencing any of those awarenesses, uh, you can contact me or email me at uncommon3women at gmail.com. And then as well, make sure you tune in next week. Um, we also have another testimony, an amazing um, woman to come on um, at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And everyone... Stay on Common. Bye. Bye.